Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at some of the rumors going around in the NBA. And more importantly, we're going to be looking at the Phoenix Suns Milwaukee Bucks uh, series uh, as well. So we'll be looking at everything going on in the NBA at the moment. And more importantly, uh, how this playoffs uh, championship series is going. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's get into it. So, at the moment, we'll start with the uh, series. Phoenix is up two games to nothing. And we have the Phoenix Suns, who obviously have been playing great basketball. Their team in the last several games has been very, very good. If you go to... Their most recent victory, which was um, 118-108, um, and uh, they ended up having some good numbers from Bridges, who had 27 and 7, double double 11 and 10 for Crowder, and a double double 10 and 11 for Aiton. Chris Paul had eight assists with 23 points, 31 for Devin Booker, so not uh, too shabby. Uh, in um, that game, and then uh, the one which came right before it, which was um, game one of the series, um, was um, another victory, 118-105. Um, so uh, in that game, if you're looking at the uh, scores for the Phoenix Suns players, we saw Bridges had 14, we saw 22-19, and 19, for Aiton, which was the big game for him, 32 and 9 assists for Chris Paul, 27 for Devin Booker. We got 10 off the bench for Johnson, 10 off the bench from Cameron Payne. So, you know, Phoenix looks like, to me, the best team. They look like a team that could win in four games or five games and could be no question. Don't get me wrong, Milwaukee's had a great season. But Phoenix looks like, with Chris Paul in there, a legitimate, you know, star-level team. And it's funny to see how back when maybe the season was going on, everyone expected Brooklyn with James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie to make the finals. And they expected the Lakers to make the finals because they expect LeBron to, to do everything right and everything to go his way. Now you get Phoenix, who... Many people probably didn't expect to be here. Milwaukee probably wasn't the choice on a lot of people's, you know, list. Obviously, I'd say Philly and the Brooklyn Nets were one-two for most people, and maybe, you know, this uh, Milwaukee Bucks team wasn't their top three, but they're both good teams and deservedly uh, got here to where they needed to. And Phoenix is proving that you don't need to have stars all around you to be successful. Now, there are two sort of models that we see in the NBA, which is basically the model of the Miami Heat. And they have LeBron James, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, and and role players who really aren't that good. Mario Chalmers was not a great point guard. Norris Cole was not a great point guard. I mean, Ray Allen was well past his prime, but was still pretty, you know, decent for what he was. And same with Richard Lewis and some of these other guys. Um, but 
they basically were just three players, and then the rest of their team surrounded them. And then you have the Milwaukee Bucks model, which is basically, um, you know, three stars with a bunch of players surrounding them because you have sort of uh, Giannis, and you have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Then you have the other side of the coin, which is the Phoenix Suns model, which is a star in Chris Paul and a star in Devin Booker and about a bunch of different role players from top to bottom. You have DeAndre Ayton, Bridges, Crowder. You have off the bench, Sarge, Torrey Craig, Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne. These are all guys who are giving you good minutes and are pretty good role players. And... The model of Phoenix's sort of plan of action, which is, you know, a star with some role players, seems to work pretty well. And in a lot of cases, it's what works out the best, having a bunch of role players rather than, you know, having just the three stars or the the big names. Like last year, it was really just LeBron, AD, and then average players surrounding him. did their job, but it was a core of those two guys and the rest surrounding them. This team feels like it's a bunch of players who are kind of all together, and, you know, they all fit very well. So things things are looking very good. Things are looking in the right direction. Um, and, um, you know, for Phoenix Suns, I expect them to get this done in five games, uh, maybe six if... Um, if needed, but most likely they're going to be sticking at um, sticking with uh, four or five games winning the series and going from there. So, uh, yeah, that's my prediction. Phoenix will be crowned our kings, the champions in the NBA. Next up is some news involving Ben Simmons, who for about maybe the last week or so has been in rumors about potentially getting traded and recently within the last like two or three days Timberwolves rumors so it seems like Ben Simmons could be on the market after having a less than stellar uh, what you would say uh, offseason he averaged this season 18 uh, PER 14 points a game 7.2 rebounds 6.9 assists Um, and for uh, Ben Simmons that's not bad. He's not a bad player by any means. He's 24. He's young. But in in my opinion, it just doesn't seem like it's going to work for them. And Ben Simmons is a type of player that, yes, he's a good, you know, a good guy to have. But just someone who uh, isn't a great shooter, does a lot of great things on defense. And this team has always been less than stellar when it comes to uh, their offense. And so you need to have star power on the offensive end in order to um, make it happen, right? You need a shooter or shooters in there. And that's kind of what they did with, you know, bringing in Danny Green and George Hill and Seth Curry because Shake Milton's decent. He's not great. Same with Tyrese Maxey. The is not a good shooter. You know, obviously Embiid's not the greatest. Harris was... Um, average at shooting and has uh, a lot of um, you know stuff that he can do but you know they needed more shooters and you're paying him you know what you're paying him which uh, is like 33 million you want to have someone who could can do that because you already have Joel Embiid who's making 31 million and he does defense rebounding and all of the 
center stuff. So um, Ben Simmons doesn't really fit this team. And I think Daryl Morey now came in, and this is one of the things he's going to try and you know, make uh, disappear. He's going to get rid of Ben Simmons. He's going to trade him. Because Elton Brand was like, we're doing this. We're, you know, keeping Ben Simmons and Embiid together. We're keeping these two guys around. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that's going to be, um, or hopefully not going to be the case uh, longer, much longer. Because, uh, yeah, it's time to go. Now, the rumor is that the Timberwolves are interested in Ben Simmons. Now, before we get to the Timberwolves, I kind of want to look at what is his value. Now, I think to the right team with the right players around him, Ben Simmons can be a great asset. And he's 24 and he's talented and he's an all-star. And, you know, if he's on a team with a lot of great shooters surrounding him and a lot of guys who can kind of pull up and take the three or kind of, you know, facilitate... Uh, a little bit and kind of do all that stuff, then you're looking at a great situation. And I think, you know, there are teams out there where this could make sense. Uh, one of those being Chicago, because you have sort of Ben Simmons would be your point guard, and he does the defensive side of the things. And you have Zach Levine, who's a pretty good shooter. You have, uh, if Laurie Marketing comes back, he can stretch his range. You have Vucevic, who can shoot the three. Patrick Williams, I don't know too much on him. But, um, you know, maybe he's, you know, good on defense, good on offense. Um, not the greatest shooter, but, um, you know, I think he would fit in uh, with this sort of core. And so Ben Simmons, I think, you know, he'd be he'd be a good fit, I think. Um, and I'd, I think that'd be a good spot. But, you know, he'd have to be kind of surrounded by a bunch of shooters, which if you have Embiid and Tobias Harris, who aren't that, and a bunch of these other guys who aren't that. It's a hard situation. So, yeah, Philly doesn't really fit. And for value-wise um, and just kind of what he's worth, it depends on, uh, I guess, the team. But, um, you know, it could be a couple of firsts and some young players. It could be a good, solid role player. It could be, like, a C.J. McCollum-type player. It could be... Who knows, right? They could go after someone like Colin Sexton, who could be available, or try and do something with OKC with Kemba Walker. I don't really know. But Minnesota has shown the most interest at this point. And so Minnesota is the team that it seems like is uh, trying to you know, make their presence known. And so to me, I think that when it's all said and done, Minnesota could be one of those teams that has the assets. Now... From many of the articles I've been reading, doesn't sound like they're going to want to get rid of Anthony Edwards or Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell. So if you were looking at this situation with Philly and Ben Simmons and then the Minnesota Timberwolves, who just uh, as a um, forefront, uh, they don't have their pick this year. It's now in the hands of Golden State. So they really can't you know, do anything in 2021 or 2022 with draft picks. So what would an offer look like if you say, hey, we're not trading D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, or Ricky Rubio. Now, Malik Beasley would obviously be piece number one because he's the best player outside of uh, the guys aforementioned. Um, so you'd have to throw him into a deal. He's 24 and is a very good shooter and averaged uh, almost 20 points a game. So yeah, he's um, he's good. Then you would throw in, in my opinion, you'd have to throw in Jared Culver or Josh Okogie. They're 22, both um, 
obviously coming from totally different areas. I think Okogie was like the 20th pick and Culver was like 6 in the first round. Um, so both um, different areas there. But um, I would throw in Jared Culver because um, he can play both shooting guard and small forward. Whereas Okogie, uh, I believe he's 6'4 and is more of just a traditional shooting guard. Culver is 6'6. He can kind of do both. So he'd get thrown in as well. Then I would throw in Ricky Rubio um, to be sort of a salary match. Um, I don't know 100% if they'd want him because they already have George Hill and Seth Curry. And um, I guess uh, Tyrese Maxey can play a little point guard. But you could try and get rid of um, George Hill, um, you know, if uh, that's the case. But for the moment, Ricky Rubio has to be thrown in for the salary. And then Ben Simmons goes to the Timberwolves. Now, draft picks. I don't think you have to do more than two picks. And the first one can be unprotected or lottery protected, however you want to throw it out there. And the second one can be, like, maybe top ten protected. Then it becomes, like, top eight protected. Then it becomes, like, top two protected. And then it's unprotected. Or something where it turns into second-round picks. Because... Ben Simmons has his flaws, and so I honestly could say, um, just to me, that um, you don't have to add a ton of draft picks into this, because I do believe um, that, uh, yeah, all of the draft picks they have, uh, they're probably going to want to hold on to, and I don't think, um, in, in theory, um, they need to get rid of um, all of those to make this deal work. Um and so I think two of them, um, it makes sense. So yeah, there's uh, there's that, for for sure. So um, my final deal would be Ricky Rubio, Jared Culver, Malik Beasley, an unprotected pick in 2023, and a top 10 protected pick in 2025, which becomes top eight protected the next year, top six protected, and then becomes uh, unprotected after that. Um, so. Uh, I think that's a good move. I think Ben Simmons doesn't really fit. I think, you know, Ricky Rubio is more of a traditional point guard. And in some instances, you can have Seth Curry as your starter. He's a great three-point shooter. In some instances, you can have Ricky Rubio as your starter, who's more of a defensive point guard, more of a facilitator in that sense. Either one. Malik Beasley would be your starting shooting guard. I do believe there is a lot of guards on this team, and so there is maybe going to have to be a need to trade away someone like a Tyrese Maxey or a Shake Milton just to maybe add in someone who's a little bit more of a, you know, big to fill in the cracks. Someone who could work, which I don't know if this um, would happen, is they have at the moment um, Joel Embiid, but if they maybe did something with like a Shake Milton uh, for a Moses Brown trade, I know the Celtics just got Moses Brown in, or if there's a way for them to make Shake Milton go to the Timberwolves and someone like Nas Reed comes back, um, you know, that could be something that works. Or maybe someone like Jaden McDaniels goes to the 76ers in this and they kind of swap guys that way to kind of even out the, the guards and forwards. Um, but uh, I think Minnesota has a lot to offer if that's kind of what they're going with. And, um, you know, if they're actually you know, going to try and make a trade, then it's kind of something they can look at. So uh, 
Honestly, uh, I wouldn't say Minnesota is a bad location. I don't really know where the best location for Ben Simmons would be, but I'd say that um, that's a pretty solid one um, when it's all uh, said and done, uh, just uh, in my opinion. So there's that. Moving on to some other rumors, which I kind of um, I got recently uh, on the radar um, about the... Uh, Detroit Pistons and Detroit Pistons exploring to trade out of the number one overall pick. Now, I don't actually know if this is just BS or if it's rumors, but they're, I guess, interested in potentially trading out of the top spot. I guess Oklahoma City, Cleveland, uh, New Orleans, and Houston have inquired about the interests. So, um, yeah, there's that. Um, and, you know, for all of those teams, they have a bunch of different things to offer, right? So if Oklahoma City wants to get involved, they have a treasure trove of draft picks. They have three of them this year. They have several in the future. And so if they felt like Cade Cunningham was the best player to be with Shai Julius Alexander, I guess you could make the case that Let's say they get rid of four first-round picks or more to get in a player like um, Cade Cunningham. And let's even say they throw Lou Dort in it just because he's a good shooting guard. He's young, and maybe that helps out the Pistons. You know, it's a possibility, and maybe they decide to go down that rabbit hole and decide to try and do something where Shy and Cade Cunningham, you know, I'm pretty sure Cade Cunningham went to Oklahoma State, so pretty close to home in that sense when it looks at the cleveland cavaliers there's rumors um which i can throw into this while i'm talking about it carl and sexton being available apparently he's not getting along with some of the players and so there's a chance we could see a colin sexton trade um could cleveland who i believe has the third overall pick trade away pick three and colin sexton for the number one overall pick to get kate cunningham is kate cunningham worth that and more importantly are the Cavaliers interested in doing some sort of a move of that level, you know, maybe they do. Maybe they try and do something like that and let Colin Sexton be your starting point guard. And then maybe you try and kick tires on getting um, Evan Mobley who can play the center. Or maybe you try and see if there's a wing out there who works. Um, so that's an option. Then the Pelicans have the 10th pick and... There are rumors that they want to trade that pick for a veteran, but I guess these uh, Detroit uh, number one overall pick rumors are saying they're interested in the number one overall pick, which in this case, they do have a bunch of, you know, first round picks that they could throw. Many come from the Lakers and the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, probably not the greatest in terms of chances at getting lottery picks because the Lakers look like they're studs for the future and the same thing with milwaukee who's in the finals so odds are the picks you get won't be top five so while they have a bunch of picks many of those won't be top five they can trade their own in this scenario or they could try and trade away young guys like jackson hayes or kiara lewis jr or try and you know do something like that i don't think they can do anything with lonzo ball in terms of a sign and trade at this point because uh that's gonna have to happen I think that happens after the draft anyway, so they can't deal with any Alonzo Ball aspect. But Pelicans, I don't see it happening. Houston, um, 
I personally don't see that happening either unless they feel like Kate Cunningham is like the greatest thing ever and they're fine trading away the second overall pick and uh, some future assets to move up. And also, I guess in this case, uh, maybe there's another point guard out there that they feel like is just as good as Kate Cunningham and maybe they go out there and add like two more first round picks from Houston just to move down one spot. So... I don't think that'll happen, but if the Houston Rockets feel like Kate Cunningham is their guy, and Detroit says, hey, we're fine with one of the other guys, Jalen Suggs, or let's say they want Evan Mobley or they want someone else, then maybe it gets to the point where they're like, okay, we'll just do a kind of swap for swap thing and go from there. So, um, who knows, uh, but I don't really think they're going to move from one to two. I don't think that's going to happen. I was looking at an article which uh, was an NBC Sports article talking about the Warriors trading um, 7 and 14 and um, potentially also trading away James Weissman to get the number one overall pick, which I, I just don't see that happening. You can get a lot more um, out of what you have in two draft picks and um, one James Weissman over just trading up for something that doesn't really matter or wouldn't really work at all uh, in my opinion so uh, I just don't see that um, taking place in my opinion so moving on to the point guard position in Boston so Boston got rid of Kemba they brought in Al Horford they have a point guard uh, shortage because they have basically Peyton Pritchard and they have Marcus Smart who are both point guards. Marcus Smart can play both positions, point guard and shooting guard, but he is not by any means a really dominant starting point guard. Um, and uh, he's probably going to take over that position at the moment, but there are other options potentially out there that they could try and look at. So um, I was looking at some articles, and they were looking at some of the names on the list, and you know these are some of the names that kind of came up in what I believe. So the first one's Patty Mills. Now there's obviously a connection. Ida May Udoka was a assistant coach in uh, San Antonio when Patty Mills was playing there. So there's obviously a connection between the two of them. He's a veteran minimum. Uh, someone who could really fit, fill in, maybe be a good option. Um, potentially as a backup or uh, you know I don't think he'd be a starter but you never know, maybe. Um, so there's that. Uh, next is Austin Rivers, who is a pretty solid veteran who's played pretty much his whole career um, all over the NBA and has been with a lot of good teams. He was actually in Boston just uh, for a short term. But uh, I don't see that one really working uh, out. Then there is uh, two big... Uh, names in terms of trade options. There is DeLon Wright, who is uh, someone who you could just try and slip right into that, uh, you know, trade exception, which is 11 million from the Gordon Hayward 28 million that's left over. Or Corey Joseph, who could not be slipped into the trade exception because he makes 12 million, but he could be slipped into a Tristan Thompson led trade where the Celtics um, trade away Tristan Thompson 
and they get Corey Joseph back in return. And he's a one-year, $12 million. Uh, can't complain about those numbers. If they go free agency route, they could go with Lonzo Ball, who's going to cost you a little bit more money. He's probably going to look for somewhere in the 18 to $25 million range. So he is definitely an option. Uh, they could go after Ricky Rubio, who is a trade option. Uh, he makes $17 million, so you could do Tristan Thompson and Filler. You could do uh, Marcus Smart and Filler, which I don't think would happen, but they could try that. But I don't think the Celtics would want to jeopardize um, any of their potential future uh, cap space, which there are a lot of rumors going around about potentially Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal playing basketball together, especially seeing as they are playing basketball on Team USA together, practicing together in a lot of photos, hanging out. And so obviously when there's a bunch of photos and everyone's hanging out and everything's you know going on, um, you see um, Tatum and Bradley Beal. Everyone assumes, oh, Bradley Beal's coming to Boston. He's going to be a player that comes to Boston. And so that's not going to happen if you just leave all this cap space um, and tie it into one player like Lonzo, which I like Lonzo, but I'd rather have Bradley Beal. They could go after Corey Joseph or they could go after Ricky Rubio because they're one-year contracts and DeLon Wright is as well. Um but I don't think they jeopardize their future cap space, um, you know, to get um, someone who could just fill in when they could get someone who's a lot better like Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal is someone who's definitely attainable. I know there are a lot of people out there that are like, oh, well, Bradley Beal is going to get traded for Jalen Brown. That's not going to happen. In my opinion, if Bradley Beal comes to Boston, it's going to be either one of two ways. One being the Celtics trade Al Horford and draft picks and young players and everything else they can for said player Bradley Beal or they just kind of get rid of and shed a lot of cap space and use their free agency 2022 to sign him uh, as a free agent which I don't think that's going to happen but hey um, you know uh, who knows Um, we'll see how um, the point guard situation in Boston goes uh, moving forward And then finally, we're going to take a step uh, forward and look at the Orlando Magic and their new head coach, who is former assistant coach um, Jamal Mosley in Dallas. So Dallas had two very good assistant coaches in Steven Silas, who was more of a defensive-minded assistant coach, and they had a more offensive-minded assistant coach in Jamal Mosley. Obviously, Steven Silas is in Houston, which I can't blame him for all their issues because they had problems with James Harden. But now Jamal Mosley is leaving Dallas and is joining in uh, Orlando. Now, Dallas ended up getting Jason Kidd as as their head coach, which we don't know if Jason Kidd would have kept Jamal with the team. Some head coaches will keep players... Uh, favorite uh, assistant coaches or very well-respected assistant coaches in this organization around. A lot of them will not. In Boston, um, there are several assistant coaches who were not sticking around when Ida May Ujoka joined in because they have Will Hardy and Damian Stoudemire joining the, the bench. Um, I believe 
Uh, Scott Morrison is no longer there. Jay Laranega is no longer there. Jerome Allen wouldn't have been there anyways. He cho- he took a job in Detroit. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, there is um, some assistant coaches who stick around. Some who don't. Jamal Mosley is now joining the Orlando Magic. And he's got his, his work cut out for him. He's a new guy coming in here. No real, uh, you know... Uh, experience as a head coach and he's going to be taking over the, the helm so you can't really complain about uh, I guess that situation hopefully it works out for Jamal and for Orlando but he's going to be in for a big rebuild and that's going to do it for uh, today's podcast